All right. Hey, good morning, family. Come on, give yourselves a hand for being in church after Armageddon last night. It's good to see everybody. How many of you um, did not sleep last night? How many of y'all didn't sleep last night? All right, we're in the right place. You're the smart people, though. You're at the first service. This service, I'll be a little bit coherent. Next service is going to be like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm glad that you're here. Uh, how many of y'all were woken up by kids last night? How many woken up by kids? Okay. How many were woken up by pets? Pets? How many were woken up by the 18 different notifications coming on your phone all night long? Good Lord. I'm like out of place. I'm just opting out of it. I'm like, Let, unless there's a tornado outside my front door, don't wake me up. I don't. I don't want to know about it. No, it's probably good. But our security system, I don't know if anybody else had this. My security system is like letting me know about tornado warnings that were happening in like other states. I'm like, I don't, I don't need that right now. I don't really care. So it was a long night. Felt like there was an army of paparazzi outside my window flashing their cameras. Like, golly. But it's good to be in church this morning. So I don't have my water up here today. I have my coffee up here today. Mmm. Last week, and we did, we baptized 57 people right here at our campus. Come on, over 400 across the state. 57 right here. There was water all over the place. Uh, we, we love, um, man, seeing that, that, that this time of year, you know, around Easter and then, and then baptizing folks. It's always an exciting time for us as a church. But, but you have to know that, that as much as we love seeing people get saved, as much as we love seeing people go public with their decision, follow Jesus, all that kind of stuff, man, we... We also know that that's where it starts. Like that, that's where the journey begins. There's, there's so much more that happens. In your walk with God, we're in this series right now called Path. And, and we're, we are, we're talking about, hey, what does it look like when you're on this walk with God? Because the reality is you're going to face some difficulties. You're going to face some challenges. If you want to know how you're going to get deeper in discipleship and in the word, life groups, that's where you're going to find that. We try to give you a balance of that on Sunday morning. You know, we try to give you a little bit of meat uh, for sure. But it's all aimed at just helping you have the strongest walk with Jesus that you can possibly have. But if you're facing some challenges, you're probably going to have some questions along the way. As believers, as a pastor, that, I do a lot of that. I answer a lot of questions. Uh, I will say some of you, you have some great questions. And then some of you... You know they say there's no such thing as a dumb question? That's just not true. That's just not true. There are very, very, very dumb questions. Uh, you know, things like, will my cat go to heaven? No. Uh, you know, maybe a dog, but not a cat. Not, not going to happen. Ain't going to go to heaven. Uh, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. Does it really matter? It is interesting, though. Kind of funny looking if you think about it. But, but there's some questions like that, but one of the most commonly asked questions, not just in our faith and not just in believers, but outside of that, I mean, just in any walk of life, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I will say just right up front that there, there really is no such thing as a good person. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but, th but that's, that's a big question. I want to say first that the bad things that happen to us are not actually the worst thing that could happen to us. 
from time to time, I'll have different students around here come and ask me to pray for them in school. At one time, I had this student come to me and say, hey, I need you to pray. I've got a big test coming up. Uh, I need you to pray that I get a C. <laughs> I'm like, why can't I pray for A's? I'm just like curious. He's like, oh, no. I mean, that'd be awesome, but, but I know I, I just need to see. I, I already had a, a school counselor tell me that I'm only probably going to ever be a, a C average student. And he wore that like a label in his life. What's the label that maybe you wear around? Maybe somebody told you or a situation or circumstance happened in your life that you're wearing. The label divorced. And now you'll always be lonely. The label of unhealthy or sick. You'll never be able to lose the weight you want to lose or have that lifestyle that you want to be able to have. Uh, maybe you wear the label of an addict to one substance or another that you'll never truly be able to get past those things in your life. The worst thing that can happen to you is not the circumstance that you're in. The worst thing that could happen to you is that you would accept the label of your circumstance because that stays with you. Well, it's important to see that when you're answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Because... Man, when you ask that question, it's a valid question, but really, it only affects you if you let the bad thing to happen stay with you and define you, become a part of who you are. Years ago, Barna pulled this question. They asked, what's the number one question? And this was the question. Like, if you were going to sit with Jesus, this would be the question that you wouldn't want to ask. But here's the thing. It's not like a logical question. It's not like a math question. You know, you're not just like driving down the road one day and this question pops into your head. Like, huh, having a great day, but I wonder why bad things happen to good people. No, usually this question comes from a place of pain. Usually this, this question comes from a place of, of struggle, of just having a difficult time in life. Another way that you could ask this question is why do good things happen to bad people? like murderers and terrorists and cat lovers and people like that. Like, why do good things happen to those people? How many of you have a whole, huge sense of justice? How many of you guys have a huge sense of justice? Like, you just, there's three of us that want justice in this place. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> We're going to preach on that next week. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I got a huge sense of justice. And, um, and I've talked about this before. A lot of times, man, isn't it amazing how much God teaches you when you're driving? Uh, through other people, through yourself, that type of thing. And so, you know, I, I, I was driving down the road, and I'm sure this has happened to you before. I'm, I'm in the fast lane. Um, I'm going around some people, right? I'm going around some people. And I'm probably going, honestly, probably eight to nine miles an hour over the speed limit because, you know, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. I just kind of keep it in that range. And so I'm going around these cars. All of a sudden, this car comes right up behind me. Like the guy's eyes were green, Okay right behind me, and so I'm going around these cars, and, you know, I'm, I'm being a Christian. Like, I wanted to brake check that sucker like a big dog. Like, just, you know, I'm like, I got good insurance, buddy, and, you know, but, but I didn't. I didn't, and as soon as, I, as soon as I got around the car, you know, I got, I got over in the lane, and he just floored it like 100 miles an hour, just took off. I'm just like, right then, this, I don't know if y'all, I just start like, I just start thinking, prepare me the way for me because the cops are going to find you first. And I like, like that. I start praying that. Sure enough, 
a couple miles down the road, he got lit up over on the side of the road. I was like, yeah, what? Like driving by, waving. I'm like, finally, Pastor Rick got busted. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> Everything about that story is true except the Pastor Rick part. I do want to pastor you on this question today. And here's the deal. I would, I would much rather, I would much prefer to talk about this question sitting down around some coffee or something, you know, just so we can really talk about it. Because I know a lot of you, when you've asked this question, it's come in a season of life where whew, you're just really going through some really, really tough stuff. And, and I, don't, I don't want to be insensitive to that fact. Uh, but I, I want to address it because I know that it applies to a lot of different people. You may be there right now. You may be in that place where maybe even your faith in God is wavering a little bit because you're like, how in the Like, where's this loving, gracious God that's supposed to be taking care of me? Well, I think that's what we need to talk through. I think it's important to establish the answer to this question, is God fair? The answer is no. God is not fair. <laughs> and it's really good that he's not. This is what it says in Psalm 103.10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Look, so many Bible icons could have asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, a lot, and they had a lot of justification. I mean, Moses, Gideon, Abraham, uh, Hezekiah, David, Joseph, Peter, Paul, Jesus. All these guys certainly could have asked the question, like, why? Uh, in the Old Testament, man, Job. Look, if you're having a bad day, just go read the first couple chapters of Job. And your bad day is going to look like, wow, I'm doing really, really good right now. Because in one day, his entire family was wiped out. All of his sons and daughters, everything he owned, and he was wealthy, lost everything. He certainly could have been asking the question, and he did lament. He did ask some tough questions to God, but he never, never wavered in his faith towards God. Ever. And then the New Testament, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I think John the Baptist is like the original hipster, okay? I mean, he had a strong beard game, probably had a man bun. He had an interesting uh, choice of style and clothing, had an interesting diet, you know, was gluten-free, ate a lot of honey and that kind of stuff. And, uh, but he, he was, his whole purpose in life was to pre prepare the way for Jesus. That's, that's all he did. That, that, that was what his life was about. Just preparing the way for Jesus. At one point, we talked about this last week, he said he wasn't even worthy to fix Jesus' sandals. He's just humble. He's a good guy, and he's Jesus' cousin. They're close, they're family. He baptized Jesus, but then he's arrested by Herod. And then Herod's daughter insists that he's beheaded. And John the Baptist's head is presented to him. Now, but here's the thing. Jesus is alive. Jesus could have easily have done a miracle, right? Just got him out of prison, taking care of the whole situation. Why didn't he? Why? It says in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. 
And Jesus spoke this, but here's the thing. He didn't address the reason why. Like, why do we have to have trouble? You ever seen one of the, the, the TV commercials about one of those new uh, pharmaceutical drugs coming out? Like, they always set this thing up like it's like, the world is wonderful with this. Everything in your life is going to be great. You'll be attractive. You'll have lots of friends. It's like a beer commercial, but with drugs, you know? Like, like everything is awesome. And then right at the end of the commercial, they start going over all the side effects. See, so I thought it was interesting. I looked up. This is an actual drug. I'm not going to say the name of it. But this is, this is actually to help treat um, Parkinson's and restless leg syndrome. Okay, now this restless leg syndrome is a real thing. Okay, I have it sometimes and it is not cool. I had it a little bit last night. I wanted to kick somebody. Cody's lucky she was on the other side of the bed. So, but it, it, these are some of the side effects include constipation, dizziness, increased sweating, lightheadedness, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, weakness, and narcolepsy. So, you won't have to deal with your restless leg syndrome, but you're going to have BO and you're going to just fall asleep at random times during the day. <laughs> Makes you think, though, maybe when a baby is born, we should put a label on them. You know, a little warning label, side effects? Side effects of being born include pain, suffering, Heartbreak, disappointment, broken relationships, crime, victimization, abuse, even death. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly as in a poor mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me now. Look, I, I believe this. I believe when we get to heaven, probably within the first couple of minutes, every question that we've ever had will be answered because Jesus is the answer. That is one of his names. I think we'll just, we'll have this knowledge. But until we get there, how do we keep from being knocked out of the race and off course when these difficult things happen that shake us to our core and cause us to question our faith, to question God's goodness, a ship, even the most sturdy ship, can be torn apart by the waves. It needs an anchor. It needs a strong anchor that will keep it from being blown who knows where and also to keep it from being destroyed. I believe that God gives us some anchors in his word. It helps us deal with this question and questions like this. This is great scripture that talks about in Hebrews 6.18. So God has given us both his promise and his oath and these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I want to talk about a few anchors that I believe that God would speak to us today. The first anchor, I think he would say, I have no evil plan for you. I don't have an evil plan for you. Why did God create a world, or why didn't God create a world where there was no evil and no suffering? He did. He actually did. 
And right there in Genesis, in Genesis one thirty one, says, he saw all that he had made and it was very good. So the question is this, if God didn't create evil and suffering, where did it come from? Because God also gave us decision-making ability because he wanted us to have freedom. God's greatest value is love. God's greatest value is love, but the only way love can be love is if you choose to love. God gave us the ability to choose whether or not we would love him. The reality is we chose not to. And all that pain, suffering, evil, and everything else was entered into the world. But that wasn't what God wanted. He didn't want that. But because of those things, we now have moral evil and we have natural evil. Moral evil is is the immorality and the pain and the suffering that results of us making decisions that are selfish and self-centered. It says this in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glorious, of God's glorious standard. Okay, I, 95%, I don't know if this isn't like an official stat, but I would say 95% of the suffering in the world is a result of someone's sin. It's a result of someone's choice. We can see that. You may ask the question, how could God allow famines in poor nations? You see starving children, how could God allow that? Well, the reality is this, the earth produces enough food to give every living human 3,000 calories a day. God is producing his part. It's not God's choice that that happens. And when you go to some of these countries, what you realize is, and in places like this where kids are dying from malaria and there's no reason for it because we have the medicine, we have the medicine to help them, but why don't they have it? Because in the poorest nations, they're so corrupt, it wouldn't matter if you put a trillion dollars into that nation, it wouldn't change anything because the leadership are broken and in sin. God didn't do that. God didn't do that. These are the decisions of people. I read this one time where this, this student was, was asking the question like, God, why didn't you save all these kids that were in skill sh- school shootings? Like, God, why, 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 didn't you, why didn't you save the, the students at Columbine High and at Sandy Hook, at Virginia Tech, uh, even in Jonesboro? Why, God, why didn't you save all these kids? And God's response to that is, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed in schools. The issues that we're facing more times than not is because of the decisions that we make. So do you think that God knew that evil would be introduced by our actions? Yeah, he did. So why in the world did he create anything if he knew? Okay, well... Let me ask you this question. Did you know that there, how many of you are parents? Okay. How many of you knew that there was a real possibility that when you had a kid that they were gonna come into a world where they would have heartache and brokenness and pain and sickness and all this? How many of you knew that that was a possibility? You had them anyway, right? Why? 
because you also knew that there was a possibility that they could experience love and life and life to the full and the gifts of God and all these incredible things. You also knew that. I think that's very similar to the heart of God. The opportunity, the chance for us to know him, for us to know him and to choose to accept his love and to choose to love him. Anchor number two, I can cause even bad things to work out for your good. This verse has been happening a lot lately. I just think it's relevant to the culture, the day and age we live in, in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for good those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Look, how can God use pain to draw people to Christ? Well, I don't know about you, but we usually, I usually learn that way. That's like usually the way I learn. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasure, he speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to wake up a deaf world. This is not your experience. Like in the good times, in the really good times, let's just be honest, like marriage is going great, kids are healthy, money's rolling in. How often are you just spending a lot of time on your face before God during those, those seasons? Honestly, I don't know that I am. But in the bad times, the first thing that happens is you go to prayer. And you're asking everybody on social media to help pray too. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For God sometimes uses sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek eternal life. Whew, that's pretty strong, pretty radical. It reminds me of my friend Zach. Zach, uh, when he was born, a nurse made a mistake, just about a 10-second mistake, didn't get the right oxygen to him because of that cerebral palsy. He has limited mobility, slurred speech, brilliant guy, um, but he has some limitations. Um, and, and I got to be around this. I, I met him, I don't know, probably seven years ago now, and I still keep up with him through social media and stuff. But, but I met this guy, and, and at that time, we were doing our leadership training school, and we had a lot of outdoor stuff and a lot of physical activity. And, and man, he never made excuses. He never, he, he had the best attitude of anyone that I have ever met, period, and had every reason to not. At one point he came to me and asked me if I would do a half Ironman with him, which is daunting in and of itself for a healthy person or a person without any disabilities. But Zach couldn't even, it, it, the first part of that is a swim. He, he could not use his left arm. He could only use his right arm to swim. He could barely kick his legs, but he got through it. And then the bike Every time a car would come up, he didn't have good balance. And so he'd get blown off of his pedals. And a couple of times actually went off into the bar ditch on the side of the road and laughed. And then when it got to the run, it's, it's over 13 miles. He can't really run, but he just would kind of try to push himself forward as fast as he could. And by this time, it's dark. And so me and another guy, we're kind of alongside of him and we're just kind of, you know, kind of shuffling along, all of a sudden, like, we realize Zach's not with us anymore. 
And we look back with our flashlights, and Zach is back on the trail, rolling, laughing, because he tripped and fell down. And, and this is after about 12 hours at that point of working at this thing. And I asked him one time, I'm like, man, how do you have such a great attitude? He said, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. And when he told me that, about what happened, why, he's, why he is the way he is, he didn't choose it. I said, have you ever thought about what you would say to that nurse? Have you ever thought about the conversation? Like, what would you say to her? He said, and I believe him, he said with all sincerity, James, I would thank her. I would thank her. Because I am who I am, I love Jesus so much. I have to depend on him. I have to stay close to him. I'm like, well, I'm not even a Christian. Like, <laughs> I'm a loser. I believe that God can use those things in our lives. Romans 5, 3 through 4. But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, some of us, we like, like the idea of this, you know? Like one of our mantras is no pain, no gain. Have that on a shirt, you know, we work out on, in and stuff. But for most of us, like our workout proverb is no pain, no pain. And we like it that way. Hebrews 5.8. So even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. What? Jesus learned? <laughs> oh, crazy. Through his suffering. Might be true for us too. Might be true for us too. Anchor three, I have a glorious future in store for you. Okay, now this is really easy. Oh, well, hey, just a hope of heaven. Just hang on. Hang in there. Someday you'll stand in the glory of your father. And that can be one of the most patronizing things. It's like, yeah, okay. But I'm in the middle of it now. I'm in the middle of it now. So how, how does that help me? Well, I think it can. I think it can. Because I want you to look at, at Paul. I want you to look at this verse, and this is tough. And I know that you may be going through some really difficult times, but I would suggest it probably wasn't as difficult as the things that Paul went through. But this is what he said in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Light and momentary troubles. These are the light momentary troubles that he went through. Five times he was whipped. Cat of nine tails. Five times. Okay, so the thing that Jesus went through, being whipped with the cat of nine tails, is a whip with bone and sharp pieces woven into the strands that just basically rip the flesh off of your back. And Jesus went through this once. 39 lashes because 40 lashes was considered a death penalty. Jesus went through that once. Paul went through that five times over the course of his ministry. Three times beaten with rods. 
a lot of times I like wonder, like, what did this dude look like? Like, God, like Jack Bauer. Like, he just, just like, must have just been like a man's man that he could go through everything that he went through. And he's like, oh, this is a mo- light and momentary trouble. Eh. I think that challenges. How did he have that? How did he have that? How can we understand what he's talking about? It says in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Imagine it's the first day uh, of 2017. Too late for that, but we'll just go with that. First day of 2017, and it is the worst day of your life. Hashtag. Everything is going horrible, okay? Like you got fired, went to the dentist, the anesthesia uh, wore off halfway through a root canal. So you're there in the chair on your way home. You told your car, the car you hit was your wife. So you got all that going for you. And then your pet dies, stock market crash, your best friend betrays, you start spreading all false rumors all over social media. Horrible. But every other day past that was awesome. Like some uncle you didn't even know left you $50 million. You're working in a job that's so fulfilling, you get to go on a cruise once a month. Like everything's going for you. You go to the Masters, World Series, Super Bowl, Final Four, and NBA Finals all in the same year. Marriage is on like Donkey Kong. It's like going great. Everything is going great. Marriage is so good, your wife is insisting that she take you shopping at Bass Pro Shop once a week, at least once a week. Like just, baby, we gotta do this, all right? And, 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 and you're intimate on every day that starts with T. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Tunday. Like things are going awesome. <laughs> so you come to the end of that year and someone says, man, how was, how was your year? It was amazing. Yeah, man, didn't it, didn't it start off like really, really rough? Yeah, that was like the worst day of my life. But it pales in comparison to the rest of it. And this is an eternal perspective. You may live 72 years with chronic pain. And I'm sorry. But a trillion years from now, (laughs) in absolute bliss, hey, wasn't your life like really, really hard? And like, I don't remember. It pales in comparison. I think if we could get to that place, like the only way that you can really answer this question with the kind of faith that I think God wants us to have, you have to answer it from an eternal perspective. The Lord's Prayer, man, it helps us to remember, like this is the way we're supposed to focus. Our Father who art in heaven, how be thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's it gonna be like? Can I approach these difficult situations and circumstances with an eternal perspective and remember, okay, yeah, this is, this is tough. It says in Revelations 21.4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. A British pastor named Galvin Reed 
uh, tells a story about a time he met this young man. This young man, when he was one years old, he fell down some stairs, some wooden stairs, and, and, and broke his back and wound up having to go in the hospital. He's in the hospital for majority of his life. And this young man tells this pastor, but I think that God is fair. Like how in the world, how can you say that God is fair? How old are you? 17. How many years have you spent in the hospital? 13. 13 of 17 years in the hospital. I appreciate your great attitude, but how in the world can you say that God is fair? The young man responded with, well, I just figured God's got all of eternity to make it up to me. Man, I think that's some pretty cool faith there. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You just can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. But I want you to know too, there is joy and there is peace that is available to you now, no matter how difficult your time has been here on earth. Anchor number four, I'm waiting to help you. We've said this before, you can either choose to get better or you can choose to get bitter. The choice is yours. You can live a life of hope. Recently, I've been, I've been praying for a lot of people that have been dealing with what I'd call wounds, inner wounds. A, a lot of these wounds have come from significant relationships in their life. Moms, dads, pastors, um, just husbands, wives. They're dealing with these, these wounds. I just, I want to boldly say, if you're hurt, if you feel hurt, you feel rejected, God will and wants to heal you. He does. If you read the symptoms of all these wounds, a father wound, a mother wound, or the symptoms of a kid from a divorce home, or the symptoms of an abused life, I want you to know that those things do not define who you are. I think it's really important to ask yourself the question, how does God define me? If I'm gonna wear a label, whose label do I wanna wear? Because uh, I do believe that God's got a label for you that he established before the foundation of the earth. It will stand the test of time if you can walk in it. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I just want to be vulnerable. I've shared this before, and we don't talk about it a lot. But I, I do, you know, I'm not saying that. Look, my story, I'm not even going to begin to say that my story can compare in difficulty to anyone else in this room. Because some of you, it's crazy. Crazy the things that you've had to go through. I get it. But, but, but God has a way of always putting something or someone in my life that helps me stay close and depend on him. Our son, Corbin, is on the spectrum for autism. And lately, we've been, we've been going through some stuff. It's been tough. It's, it's tough. And, and the, the way that this thing kind of works out for him is he has a difficult time socially. 
and I'm, I'm not saying it, please, please, please don't give him extra attention. I'm not asking for that. But when your little boy comes home, just in tears, falling apart, and he says, Dad, I just don't understand why no one wants to be my friend. You know, that, that'll, that'll get you. And there's a whole list, I mean, paperwork, just constant, just words I can't even read or pronounce that describe my son and his challenges. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. He's God's. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, he's probably the smartest person in our family. Next to his mom, of course. I mean, of course, she's got, she is the smartest person. He has gifts that some of you don't have. You don't have them. He's got them. But because of some of his gifts and some of those things, he also has some things he has to, to work through because of those gifts. But he's not accepting God's label and we're not, we're not or he's not accepting the world's label. He's accepting God's label. He's accepting God's label. We're gonna give him the help he needs. I'm not saying we're just like being foolish. We're getting him the help he needs. But that help is, is only supplemental to the power of God working in his life. That's where we're leaning. What's God's label for you? Let's pray. If you're here today and, and, and you're just, maybe you're in that place, you've just been, you've been struggling. Maybe even in your faith, just asking God, like, God, what, what are you doing? Why is, I trusted you with my life and now, I don't know what the case may be, but can we just, let's just confess that before each other. You've just been in that place, you've been struggling. Let's just put our hand up right now. She's just been struggling in your faith. It's okay to admit that. I promise God can handle any amount of doubt, any amount of questions. Let's, let's raise them high. Come on, let's just be bold about this. God, that's me. You know it anyway. God knows your heart, okay? Well, let's just be honest and real with yourself. Lord, for every person that's raising their hand, I pray right now for a supernatural grace on them. Clear out the noise. Let them hear your voice again. Bring the peace that transcends understanding. The joy that can only come from you. Bring it on their lives right now. And some of us are unwavering in our faith, but we're in the midst of it. We're in the midst of the storm. We're in the middle of it. God, thank you for the anchor of your word. The truth of your promises. We declare them over our lives. Let them be on our lips. Let them be in our cars. Let them be in our worship. Let them be in everything that we do, God, that we are holding fast, not to the label of the situation or the circumstance or the past or the sin or the failure or whatever it is. We're holding unrelenting to your promise, to your truth, to your label. If you're here today, and you need the hope that is in Jesus. Because there is. There's so many people that ask this question and don't have the hope of Jesus. 
You can have it today though. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you need to rededicate your life to him, don't leave this place without having the confidence of where you stand in relation to God. I want you to be able to leave with the confidence that if something happened to you, if you lost your life today or tomorrow, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would stand before your heavenly Father. I want you to have that confidence. If you're here today and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I would love to pray with you as well. Can you please put your hand up? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anybody in this room, I need Jesus. I need to rededicate my life. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. Anybody else? Make sure I see you. Okay. All right. Awesome. 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 Thank you, God. For that one person that raised their hand. This is, this is, this is for you. This is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves you. He sees you. He sees you. Just talk to him. Just say, God, here's my life. I know, I know I've sinned. I know I've made mistakes. I, I, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. I want to stop. I want to turn away from my sin, living for myself. Help me to understand your purpose and your plan. I want to grow in an understanding of your love and love you more as I understand your love for me. And through that, I'm going to love other people more. God, help me by your word, by your spirit, by the, by the body of Christ to be everything that you've asked me to be. I surrender my life to you today. In Jesus' name, God, for all of us, help us, help us, God, to hold on to you no matter what. We thank you that you can handle the question. You can definitely handle the question. We thank you, God, that we also have answers. But ultimately, God, we trust you. We trust you. Let that be the confession of every one of our lives. I'm gonna trust God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, we had one person raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give God a hand for that.